Hey, this is Russell, and I have the greatest job in the world. I work at the video store, the one that's just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it is movie night. Why I love this job is because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. Interesting people also pop in to rent something all the time. Each week, we can help you figure out what you could be watching on streaming platforms and out in cinemas here in South Africa. All right, let's open up the shop. Did you see that thing yesterday on the TV? It was ready, 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 interesting! Hey, dudes. Morning, Russ. Hey, Rusky. We've got Gaddy here, and we've got Graham here. Hello. And it is the start of a... New day here at the video store. Yeah. <laughs> new, sure, sure new work week. <laughs> um, we have uh, Snake, Yaku, from uh, Folk of Policicar, the drummer, mm. who, um, known on his ID book as Yaku, but known by all of us as Snake, which is a very cool nickname. Right. Um, the guy from the, the baddie from Simpsons is Snake. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Like the, baddie. The, the guy was always, like, robbing stuff. Yeah. Wasn't the clown the bad guy? Krusty. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's not really bad. He's, like, sweethearted. But, <laughs> but he's, like, the criminal of the show. Oh, no, wait. Who was the serial killer? Oh, that oh, was Sacha Bob. Sacha Bob. Oh, that's Kelsey Graham. Yeah, that, was, that was kind of freaky, eh? Yeah. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, Yaku is is coming in to, to rent something. Um, and it's a great chat because... Um, I'm a big fan of Fork Off and mm. have followed them over the years. And it's been a great thing for, especially myself and Gad, to play a lot of shows with them. With A-King especially. And A-King as well, yeah. which is the other the other band that he was in. Um, but being someone like the bassist yeah. of Short Straw, <laughs> um, you know, you, you sometimes don't talk to those folk necessarily in kind of media and in press. Um, but they, they all do very interesting things. And you'll see what Yaku specializes in, which is mostly the looking after of Fokov Lager, mm. which is a very successful business in its own right. It is, baby. Yeah, he put up his hand to, to look after that. But I just think it's cool to kind of hear from someone like the drummer who kind of famously is generally more in the back, more quiet, not mm. doing as many interviews. Someone like Francois is great. He's a lovely dude. And I would actually love him to be on the show at some point. But I just had the feeling that someone like Yaku would be a great person to chat to also because as I said in the, in the chat, he, he, um, he's got a great knowledge of, of art and, and media and film. So it's a cool chat, but before we get into that, we, uh, have been invited to more and more screenings. Yeah. And, uh, Graham and Cole and I went to go watch hypnotic. Mm. Do you know anything about it, Gad? All I know is Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, so Robert Rodriguez, who's famous for a whole bunch. Dust Till Dawn and Desperado. I really loved Alita Battle Angel. They're making a trilogy. They should because... Yeah, it's just been confirmed. James Cameron's producing. Wow, because the first one didn't do very well, but people like really liked it. It did better than people thought. Hmm. Like when he was busy making Alita Battle Angel, there was certain sort of bad press yes and people were skeptical but then they were f- quite largely won over mm. and i thought it was a really great movie cool 
Um, yeah, I like, and he's at Spy Kids, obviously. Yeah, oh, he yeah. did some fun stuff, and he's done some pretty daring stuff. He made that movie El Mariachi for seven thousand dollars, yes. which is yeah, his yeah. debut movie. Um, and and now he's made Hypnotic, which is this film that's um, just about to hit cinemas with Ben Affleck. I didn't really know about it, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I didn't, didn't know anything about it going in. So I actually quite like the idea that, for the most part, these distributors are inviting us to the films that need to be seen, that yeah. need to be spoken about, as opposed to the ones that everybody knows about yeah. that are kind of going to sell themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to talk about these films. I um, The best way to sell it to you, Gaddy, is that it's um, it's got a little bit of a Christopher Nolan inception angle to it so the idea is that we have these people who are hypnotics who can take hypnosis but it's a it's a little bit of a fantastical step further which is that they have the ability to really have you believe you're in another world like transform how your brain sees the world like a jedi somewhat (laughs) (laughs) and um and there's a very Somewhat complicated, perhaps a little too complicated, but mm. an unraveling of Ben Affleck's world um, around this kind of secret division of like a sort of uh, CIA kind of level operation where these people are able to control minds. Okay. Um, it's a great play on what you think you know is real, but what isn't real. And it's a little bit, do you know what, actually... It's very fucking Christopher Nolan because yeah. not only are these kind of inception moments where twists and things kind of move and change and kind of what his vision is, but it's a little bit like Memento. I never actually thought about it, which is this Christopher Nolan's yeah. first film where it's about this, memory. Mm-hmm. And um, is it not edited in a linear fashion? No, no, no. It's nothing like that. That was very experimental, and what and what made the film Memento for those who haven't seen it, like. Honestly, one of the greatest movies. Um, have you seen Memento? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's along the lines of like how you use your memory and how you remember things. It's it's perhaps a little too complicated. Um, but I think convoluted is a better word than con- complicated. Perhaps. But it's cool. It's a good watch. It's kind of like, a, like we were saying afterwards, it's got a bit of like a throwback vibe to like late 90s, early 2000s sort of movies. Stuff yeah. like Enemy of the States and The Game and that sort of movie. If you're looking for that sort of thing, then Hypnotic sort of up that up that alley. Yeah, it's interesting and it's fun and mm. it's it's cool. Yeah, um, okay. I, I don't think it necessarily blew me away. Yeah, but it wasn't crap. It, it looked it was very well shot. The cinematography is excellent. Yeah, like it looks fabulous. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. And then um, the other thing that I went to last week was. Um, the sequel to the book club and the book club. I actually didn't know about it because I don't think it was necessarily made for me. Yeah. Have you seen the original? Uh, Well, we then, we then um, rented the original to watch it ahead of the sequel. Leslie Uh, knew about it, but basically what it is, is it's a great story aimed at women who are a little bit older in life. And it's got Jane Fonda, uh, Mary Steenburgen and each of these women. So it's about a, group of friends four women that are friends and they have this book club and what sets the first book in motion is the one suggests 50 shades of gray so it's obviously coming the movie came around sort of just after the book was released so it's four or five years ago 
and um, and this is what sort of sets the movie into motion, where right. each of them kind of are questioning their life. The one is never moved on after her husband died. The other one's in a relationship that needs more spice. The other one's never settled down. So it's aimed at older women, yeah. and it'll play perfectly into their hands. Um, but I love the fact that, <laughs> I don't know whether you guys have picked this up, but mm. from 35, you're considered older. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How old are you now, Graham? 37. You're 37. Okay, yeah. and Gad, you, you're my age. Yeah. Wait, were you born 85? 86. 86. Yeah. Okay, so we're a year older than you. But come the time when we had to get vaccines, mm. there's a reason why you had to get a vaccine from 35 onwards, because mm. you considered older. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you and I, all of us, are feeling this. I was like, yeah, I'm old enough. Morning. Yeah, yeah, I'm old enough. <laughs> the, point, the point I'm trying to make is that, like, once you get past sort of 30, 35, mm. you, you do look at life differently. Yeah. Um, you are no longer a youth. <laughs> um, and so a film like this, which is made for people who are older, yeah. you can appreciate it from 30 onwards, <laughs> 35. So even though I'm not as old as Jane Fonda, yeah. Um, I appreciated this movie, mm. and it's a delightful, fun um, thing. And of course, now the sequel is um, the exact same formula. All right, it's, it's perfect. It's just a same uh, cast. Same cast. The chemistry is great. It's an ensemble that works, and I think this is something we can also appreciate. Just in general, is when you get the ensemble right. Those mm. are the movies that we remember. Yeah. You know the oceans movies and um, yeah. you know to a degree. Is it another specific book that they read in this movie? Um, no, not so much. But it's all it's all centered around Jane Fonda now settling down and getting married, and then they have this kind of bachelorette party in Italy. Right. So it's about them traveling, and it plays into the idea that the pandemic's just ended, and so you know now they're going to go on the street. They're not still dealing with Fifty Shades. <laughs> no, no, no. They've since moved on. Um, but there's lots of other cool stuff that we can talk about. Some new shows, new seasons, which we can get into. Things like Sweet Tooth, mm. uh, which has got a new season. I also watched a bunch of other cool movies. Cool. But um, I think the day is going to get started now. We're going to have customers arrive, one of which is going to be Snake. Um, so we'll get into that. And then after that chat, we'll, um, when the store is quieter again, we'll chat more. Lovely. So cool. stick around for that. Uh, let's get into it. This is, should I call him Snake or Yaku? You have to call him Snake. <laughs> yeah, that's kind I, of I, I don't even it. know who you were talking about. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is Snake popping in to rent something. How's it? Good. Welcome to my house. Thank you for having me. It is such a lovely house. Because it is surrounded by you. It's unmistakably you. Yeah. It's unmistakably a member of Fokov Police Car. <laughs> a, lo a lot of Fokov Lager merch around and uh, a bit of a grungy yeah. undertone. No, but it's, it, there's, you know, what I've always admired about you is um, your incredible photography. And, Thanks, that, man. and that is around us. You're, you're great. Oh, yes. Mostly black and white. Mostly black and white, yeah. Great photography. That's what I think kind of joined me to you initially to, yeah. initially we did the limited edition thing yeah. yeah so being a great um artist in that regard i reached out to you to to do something with limited edition yes. when i started it in 2018 because we do t-shirts but also art prints and i think i originally thought about an art print 
And then you thought, well, why don't we put this art print on a T-shirt? <laughs> and it was this great um, photograph from Fokov. And then between you and Fokov, we got behind it and we sold it out by the morning. Yeah. And... Well, a limited dish, right? Yeah, how, exactly. How many did we make? I think we made like... I think there was 20 in the end. 20, yeah. And It's a lovely shirt. I think a lot of people are still asking about that. Yeah, well, maybe some version of a reissue or something can come out. Maybe a black one. Yeah, totally. I, I was very wet behind the ears in terms of what I wanted to do with limited dish, but that sort of very much embodied the, the, the spirit of it, which was awesome. to meet people like you, make cool stuff... Yeah. And just like, yeah, kind of get to know people. I'm surrounded by these talented people. It'd be great to just make, and, you know, and, make and engage physical. Them. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Actually do, like, it's one thing bumping into someone in a backstage area and having a chat about, you know, the weather and what the alcohol situation is in the backstage area. It's a completely different thing. You know? Yeah. Well, Maybe the extent in, in, of our conversation was probably like, hey, man, cool show. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. kind of it. Gra- great set. And then when I, when I met you later in that week, to give you your copy of the T-shirt, like your version or for other people or something. We hung out at, at someone's bri, someone's birthday. And we were drinking Hades. some yeah. Yeah. some lovely fuck off lagers. I think so. And I realized just how awesome you were. Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> That's very kind of you. I've always and liked I, you. And I think I also appreciated the extent of your film knowledge, which, which came out a bit in that conversation. And I, not knowledge... Um, just appreciation and and sort of grasp on on what's going on. Maybe maybe, maybe filmmaking. I'm, I'm not uh, like an encyclopedia. No on, no no, on, none of us are. And I don't yeah. even I don't even claim to be. But I just I think we just were talking about a bunch of things, and I think it just it was such a great conversation that you always stuck out in my head as cool. someone who I would love to have on the show. Also, so thank you for that. Well, and podcasts are very much in vogue at the moment. Well, it's something I've always wanted to do. Yes. And I've like had all these versions of a podcast and I've made several attempts over the years. And so I've always wanted to do this. Yes. Um, we, are, we, are, we do very much feel like we're in the age of podcasts now. Very but, much, but, but, but I'm actually enjoying it. I'm listening to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, and, I like the deeper dive. I think in a world with everything so quick, mm. TikToks and 30-second videos, mm. I think being able to go into much more detail, talk to the full extent of its what's needed, yes. especially with the band world, especially in like the creative world, it's very hard to articulate something like an album mm. or a place where you are in, yeah. as a band. Yeah. And, and you kind of need a, a podcast to get into some uh, I also detail. just, just uh, exactly what you're saying, but I think the podcast, instead of it just being a long format thing, it's also just people you know, talking crap. Yeah, like, the uh, unfilteredness is yeah. also something greatly needed. Mm. And we live in such a polished, perfect, filtered society that to just speak openly and unfilteredly, mm. especially in South Africa, I think is I think it's important. Nice. Um so what keeps you the most busy? The the beer? Uh, at this moment in time it's probably my child. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my my sort of lifestyle is kind of flexible um and at times it gets kind of busy. Because um, I'm largely like a project-based type of person. So if it's something with Focal Vlogger, I usually like to do two or three things in a year. Besides for like doing trade merchandise and designing that sort of stuff with great uh, designers and stuff. I like to just tackle a couple of big projects. One, one of the things we, we did uh, yes, yesterday, uh, we did Ultimate X, which is the... Yeah, what's that? 
It's like the I actually won't know how to describe it. It's like a extreme sports event. Oh, uh, I think I I think I um drove past that. Okay. I saw like BMXing and BMXing skateboarding. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the skateboarding is a qualifying thing, or it counts points to on the world rankings. So maybe oh, cool. that counts for the Olympics. And um, the BMX, I think, was actual qualifiers for the Olympics. But like all the BMX guys were international riders, Ooh. like people X Games gold winners and stuff. So it was quite exciting. And we had the opportunity to do the bar there. So, okay. um, so the I, beer that they were drinking for that event was we, your we, beer? Yeah, we, we got our exclusivity on the beer. And then obviously we've served other drinks as well. But it was a great branding opportunity. Um, and so, you know, sometimes stuff like that comes along. Uh, I can't really claim to have done most of the work. It, like, yeah. it was basically a connection that I had. And we have a, a lady working for us, Sonia, yeah. that was basically just, I mean, she has got she this in, incredible organizing abilities. So she uh, basically organized everything from the liquor licenses to, you know, like. But, um, but, it's, but it's a big thing for you. I think, I think what's interesting is that as a band, when did the band start? 2003, we started okay. jamming. At 2004, we kind of started gigging. Okay, 2004. And then. And then so 20 uh, years, basically, now. So, yeah, yeah, it's exciting, man. Yeah, and, and, and I think to just go back just a little, um, I think it's important mentioning for those who don't know. Um, just how important a band like Fokov was and still is. Um, maybe I can give my like two little touch points and then you can like fill in the cool, gaps cool. And, and sort of flesh it out of it. But the first time I was introduced to the band was from an Afrikaans dude who was explaining to me that the language, the Afrikaans language had been quite largely coming out of apartheid, had been a little tainted. It yes. was like... The little bit that you heard was kind of socky, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> you weren't yeah. hearing uh, great examples of like what the Afrikaans youth sounded like. So when Fokov were playing this like great rock and roll, mm. singing in Afrikaans, this spoke to him. And yep. he was like, this is important mm. because this has made my language cool again. And I was like, get it. Totally get it. Don't understand a fucking word. Yeah. <laughs> Even though like I've, I've had Afrikaans lessons my whole life, yeah. you know, in school. Um, so that was amazing. And I totally got it. I totally appreciate it. Yeah. Then another great moment was watching you guys. Um, remember when um, Emma Rensha had some version of like the Kirsten Bosch shows? Yes, yes. Uh, where they had a, a, quite a permanent stage set up that they tried to Felt do. Felt like Opikopi in Joburg. Yeah, like there's a great set of shows. And I, and I had these Americans that were with me um, on an exchange program. And I remember saying to them, like, okay, when this, band, when this band starts playing, look at the faces of the people. I was like, look at them. Look at, look at the front row. Like, they're not just happy, they, they're crying. They're crying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so just to get an idea of how important this band mm. is. And they got it. That's amazing. So in, with that sort of context, what, what has the whole journey been what, for you? What's it been like? It's, it's amazing now. Like, firstly, it's amazing that it's 20 years later and all of us are still alive. That is uh, an achievement within itself. Sure. <clears throat> because in the early years, I didn't think <clears throat> it was, was, was going to work out that way. Like, I don't think much of us or, or any of us saw life after 30 for ourselves. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, we didn't really have a long view, even though a lot of the stuff that we implemented initially was very methodical and very much organized. Like, I mean, we had meetings about marketing uh, weekly. We had, we had rehearsals every day. We, had, we, like, we really gave it our all, even yeah. m months before we uh, recorded our album, before we okay. played our first show. Like, the idea back then, which was 
kind of uh, not very commonplace was that uh, we record an album, make a music video, do all of that stuff before we even play our first show. Nowadays, it's pretty commonplace. But yeah. I think we were one of the first bands back then to do it. That's like, interesting. So you, you, uh, you didn't sort of start playing the circuit, anything like that. You sort of came out big. All of us played in different bands on the circuit, and we basically took all of the stuff that always peeved us, like the low-quality flyers, you know, like the yeah. photocopied yeah. bullshit that just got spluttered in your car's windscreen wipers. Yeah. Um, made, uh, got a designer on board who was like the sixth member of the band. Yeah, that know, being... Um, Matt Ma Edwards. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so, so Marv, uh he started designing for us later in life, but I mean, he's been my best friend since we were three. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he was also kind of very much part of the journey. The look and the feel of the band was, was a super important part of it because not only did you have this rather, um, uh, what's the word? I mean, it's like a provocative name. Yes. Um, but with that came a lot of provocative imagery. You were fighting against a lot of conservative religion and ideals and, and ideals uh, in South Africa expectations. And, and expectations. And so you, yeah, you kind of had to come out it's very strong, strong and very planned. Otherwise, your message could be a bit misconstrued. So yes. it's like to come out bold made lots of sense. Yeah. So, so we always said with the name, or Hunter actually said this. He said like, obviously, the name's going to get us noticed. And when we do get noticed, like, we better make sure that the content is good. That we follow on with something. Follow yeah. on with something. But he also said, it's like, we're never going to get mentioned on the radio. We're never going to get into print. So it's like trying to run a marathon, but shooting yourself in the foot before you start. Yeah, totally. Um, but it, in that case, like, I mean, we wouldn't have known, but it actually worked out way better for us. Like, the name was such an asset to us. Um, but what I wanted to say about the, oh, the, the fact that, the, that we're still going. Yeah. Um, and the, the fact that there's still so much, you know, uh, passion and fever and, and whatever with the fervor is that the right word? Yeah, uh, English second language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> with the with the, like every year we play the campuses and everything, and there's new 18, 19 year old kids singing the the lyrics. Yeah, largely the earlier stuff. Like so, we're also a bit of a legacy act in that way. That like, yeah. you cool, you record a new album, maybe one or two songs makes the set. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Your no, experience. No, no we're the same. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's it's largely it's largely the people that still keep us going, and you know actually pay our salaries. Yeah, well, it, like. there's such a lovely place that a band can be in now where it might be very hard to break big and, and make these kind of big leaps as a band. And mm. my heart goes out to, you know, um, people just starting mm. out because it's, it's a lot harder to make like a huge impact. Yes. You've kind of got to go step by step and step by step. Yeah. Build your audience, build your audience. Sleep on couches. Sleep on couches. But... Um, um, we're definitely in that point now where if you have an audience, no matter how big or how small, you've just got to look after them. Yes. And I feel like now you guys in the sort of newer era have evolved to that point and you look after your audience. Well, you give the, them and, like and, yearly sort of traditional shows like the birthday parties. The birthday party. And, yeah. And, and yeah, you sort of have leaned so nicely into your legacy which yeah. I think is a good example of what a band can do. It, it, it kind of feeds in it, into itself. Um, like, Vainance has been very excellent over the years of keeping all the content, all the stuff. Because like, in the early years, this is way before Facebook or any of that stuff, or way before, I would yeah. say, probably five, four years before. Which in our days is way before. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's way <laughs> before. Um, uh, we, were, we traveled with a video camera. Like, I mean, none of us were... Uh, like, I mean, it was one of those camcorder type yeah. things, like a little digital uh, DV type camera. And we uh, documented everything, like yeah. everywhere we went, everything we did. And as time continued, uh, we uh, 
kind of drew more people that were in the creative field that wanted to travel along and document stuff. So Vanant's been excellent at keeping the archive. And, yeah. and I mean, that in itself is kind of a, a, what do you call it, an achievement? Because, you know, yeah. with hard drives and stuff, they go bad. You have to do backups of backups. Well, you know, I, like technology I, changes. I, liked, I, I, I don't want to... Don't want to think about it because it yeah. pains me. But I was that guy, and I had a whole bunch go missing in a mm. in a in a house robbery when I was on holiday. And I was just so stupid that I had the backup in the same place as the laptop. That also happens. Like, yeah. And I lost a whole bunch of short straw, you know, rehearsal stuff, I mean, demo stuff recordings. It's invaluable. And, and they, like, they're gone forever. It, 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 it pains me. It, but it, it, it still it gets me. Like like you're saying that stuff's gone. Like. Um, Vanant has access to all that stuff. So every year, whenever we're like around an album time or around a big tour or something, he, uh, you know, releases some archive footage and little clips. And you know, the people so really cool. enjoy that stuff. And for me, it's also very fun to watch because a lot of that stuff I haven't seen myself. Even yeah. you know, like I haven't watched through all this stuff. Uh, but uh, a similar thing to you, what you were saying now is we also did on the last full-length album we did, which was Self Medicosi 2017. We also decided beforehand, cool, we did this big crowdfunding thing, and we. So cool. Let's also do that again. We got everyone has iPhones and whatever, but to consolidate yeah. everyone's footage and everything is a bit of a thing. Let's go back to the the early way. So we bought a really nice modern camcorder, like yeah. you know something that has optical zoom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that any person in the band can just pick up, press the red button. I think yeah, it was yeah. A Canon it was like I don't know, yeah. twenty grand or something for this thing. Like yeah. a nice, like something people used to skate, uh, shoot skate videos with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Um, we had this thing and we documented the whole uh, duration of the album, we, uh, all the shows yeah. uh, in that time, everything. And then Vanant also had some uh, renovations done at his house. Oh, no. And one day, just like when he, after the guys left, he opened up the one drawer. All the hard drives, the camcorder, all of that stuff oh, gone. Fuck's sakes, man. So, I mean, that, like, it was a big It's so card. annoying because you almost want to, in those, you always have these fantasies like when someone could steal your phone back in the day when, like, a SIM card was important. You yeah. know, now so much is not resting in the SIM card. But you like, you wish you could just be like, Hey, like, just you could have my phone. Yeah, just take, like, take the camcorder. Like, like, take the camcorder. Yeah. We don't fucking need that. But like, the hard drives mean so much more to me than they'll ever mean to you. Yeah. Like, please. Yeah. Then it's it's like I um I listened the other day, uh, Band on the Run, the the Wings album. Yeah. Um, did you know that that album, uh, they recorded in Nigeria, and the album was done. They had all these world class musicians playing on it, and whatever. And then Paul McCartney, his wife, and some other person. I think it was the guitar player. Okay. They decided to stay on a bit longer. I think they were in Lagos. Okay. And um, they went out one evening. Uh, they were driving back, and then they got uh, robbed. Yeah. But one of the things that was stolen was the actual tapes. Ma like the, master the, the, tapes. The, the, the dad tapes or the magnetic tapes. Yeah. Gone. Master tapes gone. So then they decided, well, they're going to have to record this album. So the, just the three of them re-recorded the whole album. Yeah. So Paul McCartney on drums, whatever. So the, the version of the album we're listening to is... Yeah the three of them playing. Oh, wow. So there's out there somewhere, I don't know, or maybe it's on a landfall somewhere. Yeah, it's probably just gone. Yeah. yeah. That's the worst part. But, I mean, just imagine finding that thing, the original. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, what, okay, so sorry, then just one quick thing, just because we've been speaking about beer, is obviously with the success of the band, um, you guys have found these, at least two, I'm sure there's plenty more, but at least two really amazing ways of kind of, capitalizing i guess mm. is the best yeah, word yeah. or kind of like branching out and 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 doing stuff with the name so, fuck off so and, okay. um 
in, in our time of playing with Volkov, like 20 years, we initially took a break in 2006, end of 2006, 20, 2007, because, I mean, we were touring the country, had sold out shows. I think maybe looking back at it, if you look at the flyers and like 10 round cover charge is probably not the smartest idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, we kind of just couldn't afford to, you know, keep on doing this. Like yeah. We, and uh, we, we decided to take a break. But what ultimately happened is all of us started different bands. Okay. And taking Falkoff off the market and starting up these new bands, we obviously put a lot of energy into the new bands. And then the people came around, like there was, MK came out. We already, uh, God knows where we were playing our music videos, like off our website. I yeah. don't even know. So that's YouTube like the wasn't sort around. Of South African MTV. Yes. Yeah. And um, we, uh, they obviously didn't have a lot of videos. We had videos on hand, and those videos, our uh, uh, publicist sent all of our music videos to this channel. And I think for the first week at least, that was basically our channel. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I think six music videos or something other thing. Yeah. And that did massive things for us. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like the festival organizers started calling in, like, hey, yeah. can we get the band back together again? And then kind of we started playing again, but with the side project bands, which wasn't also, again, it wasn't something that was thought of before. Like, yeah. hey, maybe if you play in more than one project, uh, you know, you can maybe pay your rent. Yeah. Um, so that started happening. And, and afterwards, people were like, yeah, I mean, that's brilliant. You know, you start up different projects. Like, it just kind of happened that way. Yeah. And knowing that, that kind of became the, the next thing. It's, okay, it's, it's possible to make a living in music in South Africa, but you're going to have to need multiple sources of revenue. Yeah. And that's why the beer thing came about. Um, actually, in one of the first sort of market, I told you we had those marketing meetings where we... Yeah. Uh, we're discussing ways of getting our name out there even before we played a single note. Like, we actually had a full attended cr crowd before we even, anyone has heard our music. Yeah. Um, I think still one of the most important things is, like, even our friends, we didn't even play our music to our friends, but they knew we were working on something. And I, I still, yeah. to, to new bands, I tell them, um, they ask, like, how do you get your name out there? I'm like, if your friends, your immediate friendship group, isn't massive fans of your band, then you're, gonna, you're never going to get an audience into, yeah. a, into yeah. a room. Like those have to be the people that are your disciples and go out and tell like, hey, have you heard my friend's band? You know, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. the kind of... Totally. Um, anyway, to get back to the beer stuff, uh, a friend of ours, David Faree, who uh, organized, was the original um, founder of Ramfest, mm. he bought into a craft brewery called Sir Thomas Breweries. And um, David read our, we've got a biography out, and he read in the biography that one of the things on that, those initial marketing meetings itinerary was, uh, well, to kind of just bring you up to speed, back then we, we had a rule, nothing is preposterous. Yeah. You write down whatever you think, yeah. and then at the end of the meeting, we decide which ones are feasible and which ones will yeah. probably do something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously certain ones just chucked out. I think one of the ideas back then was to have our own beer, and then we would like discuss, it's like, yeah, how can you do that? Okay, pineapple beer, yeah, okay, but... <laughs> <laughs> when you need a liquor license for that and yeah, yeah, taking yeah. all that stuff on the road I mean surely it's, like it's some cool of those bottles you, will break it's cool that you had that idea so early on yeah, yeah. and then Dodd was like hey do you guys still want to do that and I mean this was in 2014 I would say yeah which is in the height of that that craft beer yeah. sort of wave that came to South yeah. Africa yeah uh, so we said yeah cool let's do that and like everyone else um, I think the initial thing was just it's uh FPK beer and song lyrics for different variations yeah, yeah. of beer. I think we had a pale ale, we had a um, amber ale, we had a vice beer. Yeah. I don't know if we had a vice beer. 
and we had something else. I can't remember. Yeah. But um, the sort of initial uh, uh, attention that got, like our website sort of crashed. Uh, just oh, the really? amount of people who wanted orders. And I mean, it was a primitive thing. Like yeah. it, was, it was bottle-conditioned beer, hand-labeled, hand-everything. Uh, so we couldn't keep up with the orders and it was quite expensive. Like yeah. we were actually like... Craft is, is expensive to the point where like a lot of and most of those craft breweries aren't around anymore. Yeah. Like not that the demand has necessarily changed. It's just that like the bubble burst where people realized how expensive it all was. Exactly. How expensive it would then have to be for people. And then people like eventually were like, mm, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the reason why the big boys in South Africa own the market. Like they yeah. just have the economies of scale that like, yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. But anyway, so we did that and it was doing very well. And I remember still speaking to those guys about like them expanding their brewery and maybe getting a cold room so we can do a lager because I mean, let's face it, us as South African drinkers, like lager is kind of our thing. Like, that's yeah, that's what, kind of all you, all you really need. It's just like a good drinking beer. Session because beer, I think. We, we, uh, Short Straw played um, the Clarence Beer Fest um, mm. a few weeks ago. And I've learned. I've drunk in so much of that craft beer um, over races. the years. And it's like, it's heavy. It's like getting a big, you know, big plate of home-cooked food. You know, it's like sometimes you just need a sandwich. Exactly. And, and I remember going up to the first brewery and being like, okay, guys, something light. It's a hot summer's day. Like, something light, please. Like, oh, this double chocolate IPA. Yeah, the guy, was, the guy was like, oh, yeah, 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 I got you. And he gave me this fucking, like, heavy bit. I was like, no, man, I yeah. think I threw it out. I was like, no, I want something light. I found, like, a, like a light, um, almost like a Rattler, one yeah. of the one of the breweries did that. And I was like, that's what I'm going to drink the, today. But the heavy alcohol uh, craft beers are like minor races. I remember when And Union opened up in Cape Town, and I think it was one of its the first sort of yeah. beer houses They like were the, the first sort of one that was doing mm. it on a decent scale. Yeah. And it was quite a popular place to go to and, you know, everyone was going there and I just remember in, within the first weeks just hearing stories of like, oh, I lost my car keys or uh, I passed out in the street in like Long Street. Yeah. This guy no, got mugged people... and like, because and people can't remember anything and then the, the only correlation between all those stories is, oh, they were at an union to begin the evening. Yeah. Because like, I mean, you hit those things, they're delicious, especially those big champagne bottle ones that are like... They were like, big beers, yeah. Uh, they 11% alcohol, <laughs> you know, like... In Japan, we've, we found these drinks called Strongs. Yeah. They're 10%. 10%. Oof. And they're like, a, they're almost like a hard, seltzery, I don't know what they are. They're like sort of juice, yes. like, a, like a cooler. Oh. I don't know what they Alka are. Pop. I don't know what they yeah. are. Yeah. But they're just called Strongs. And the word strong is really big. And, and we've <laughs> learned genius. in Japan, you have two of those, you cooked. Uh, you're but like, but isn't, it's kind of encouraged in Japan like to, if you vomit or whatever, it's not like so seen hard. as a... Guys go so hard. But, but it's not seen as like a public embarrassment? No, not really. No, they, it? like it would not be strange uh, to be at a restaurant at a certain point in the night and have like one guy be completely naked. <laughs> because he's so drunk. And, it, and it's like, it's almost like clockwork. Like, because but, but, but he's also very respectful. He's completely like it, but he's like, oh. Yeah, like, he's a bit like ashamed. No, no, no. It's just, you, you just see the guy and then you turn around and you're like, and he's naked. It's <laughs> weird. I love that. Yeah, this is one band that we've played with that um, every year has delivered some form of very strange, often nude moment. Yeah. But, 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 but do you think that's kind of an influence? Because you guys obviously play with the punk bands. Well, like sort of rocky indie bands. But, it's, it's, but, but, it's but just do you a, think it's an American influence, that? Like that no, they kind of feel they have to live up to a certain level? I think it's just the, Jap level? the Japanese do everything with such intensity. They, they're incredible musicians that have just 
they try work so hard so they yeah. do everything with intensity so they'll drink with intensity too but, but also all this stuff I, i've watched the episode of uh, parts unknown where anthony bourdain interviews some of these incredible japanese bands and it's kind of also seen that it's, it's fine to do it like when you're young but at one point you have to get a real job like that sort of pressure from the sure. the sort of elder fraternity is kind of real because you you're way more of an outcast if you're playing music for a living in yeah. your 30s or whatever when you're yeah. in japan like yeah maybe you know, trying to uh, impress your father-in-law or something when you're like playing a band. It's no, like, there's a lot of pressure. Fly. Yeah, and pressure on yourself, pressure from the family, pressure to to do things. It's 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 a it's quite strange in that regard. And then, of course, the other great thing. Okay, so so sorry. So when it came to the band starting the beer, mm. um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of put up your hand to say, yes. like, guys, yeah. I'll I'll manage this. Again, it was kind of something that came out of necessity because, like, um, we were having. We were doing every three months. We were launching a new craft beer, and the sort of and we also did tour around it. So we did with every new beer. We had like three or four venues. We'd travel uh, through the country, and we would release those. I don't know how we. I can't remember. We we shipped boxes of them so Jeez, then people I can. Could, I can see how this is expensive. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we played places like, you know, the Atbury Theater or whatever, and they would stock these beers there, and people would be able to come and drink them there. They would also be able to buy boxes of them, and you'd be able to buy them through the site. So we were doing this for a while. I wasn't completely happy with the format of the beer. I wasn't happy yeah. with the price point. I wasn't happy with, you know, the quality. We would go away on tour, and our um, merch manager, Alan, he would have, like, these bottles on his windowsill, and he would, uh, like, come back from tour. <laughs> They'd be like a piece of glass like in into like his um like a, a cabinet or like his door or something like stuck yeah. like a big shot of glass so the beer uh, the bottle conditioned beer would just warm up because the sun would be shining on this thing and they'd just explode it like so oh, if wow. he was at home he probably would have died you know so that stuff like that just irked me a bit and um what also happened around that time i was also uh i'm also a member in a king at this point in time and uh, we just kind of released our last album and things were going well. We were winning some awards, Salma and whatnot. And then Laudu, our singer, basically said, because uh, he was also acting as an uh, uh, ensemble member in Black Sails. Black Sails. Yeah, so I remember that. Yeah. Season two, season three. And they had a talk with him where they wanted him to kind of be main cast for season four, which meant that he would, from January, he would have to be on the lot five days a week, maybe sometimes six. So mm -hmm. that would c completely put any touring... Mm -hmm. um, opportunities out the window for us so he basically gave us i think it was september of that year he basically dropped this on us and we were like okay cool well you know it sounds like a good opportunity i mean yeah, for him it was a lot of money like be able to do a down payment on a house that sort of thing so we're like cool we're not going to stand your way i think with all of our band uh guys it's always been kind of the thing if someone yeah. needs to do something you've got to give them space otherwise you won't be able to survive on the road you know you yeah, have to yeah. be able to listen to each other so that put me in a bit of pressure because Francois around that time was also, uh, you know, do, doing really well with his solo stuff. And he yeah. basically also, also had a conversation with us just before that saying that he would dig if we maybe did a little bit less on the folk of calendar so he'd yeah. be able to yeah. uh, do more stuff. So I was like, well, I'm, now I'm in a bit of a corner here. Yeah. So I thought, oh, cool, what can I do? And then I thought about, cool, there's this beer thing. And I had a friend, uh, Jason Cedarwall, who had a beer distribution company yes, called... Yeah. Um, Crofter Commercial. Yeah, we, yeah, we know Jason through, through cool. the Bioscope. He was one of the first guys to arrive uh -huh. going, I can distribute craft beer to you. And we're like, great. Awesome. Yeah. He sort of had it in the back of his 
his uh, Land Rover. He, he gave a, us some darling beers and very, no, very he, sweet guy. He's um, a lovely I, guy. He doesn't like me a lot anymore after okay. the way things worked out. But I mean, I'm very. That's one of the my big regrets in life. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I, he was very interested in distributing Folk Vlogger, but the price point was never right. So I uh, had a meeting with him. I, I called a meeting and I said, listen, I want to be able to do a lager. Would you maybe give me some guidance? I want to yeah. be able to do a break-even analysis, uh, you know, dust off that old uh, BCom degree of mine and see if I can do a... So it was there a BCom degree? There is a BCom degree, okay. marketing BCom degree. But, Lovely. But, but, I, I think this is so interesting that... You know, someone called Snake, yes. who plays for Fuck of Policica. Like, yeah. you know, he's talking about like break-even analysis. Oh you know? my god, yeah. But, but but also, you have to remember, uh, it was something I, I did. My first year at Varsity flunked. Second year, we started Fuck of, and then we went from there. My mother, being a, a academic, she's a professor. Yeah. She basically said, "There's no way in hell you're not gonna get your degree." Okay. So, uh, it's I basically had to pay my own way to, to do my degree, but uh, through Unisa. Yeah. And I can obviously, because she'd be able to tell me, okay, cool, these are the sort of uh, credits you need to get be able to get your degree. And I'd be able to do like one or two subjects a semester, you know. Okay, so you did, otherwise, it, you did it in correspondence while, while you were in the band. a long period of time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like I did it over, over like a 10-year period. Like, oh, yeah. But you got it, yeah, man. That's I finally awesome. got it. I um, sat down with Jason, basically talked to him about, okay, cool, if this has to be the price point, how do we work that backwards? Like what would I need, like how you know, like he gave me a lot of guidance. So I basically, for days, I sat around working out like, cool, if we get a warehouse space, if I had to rent kegs, how many kegs do you need to be able to keep this operation going? Theoretically, you need one in the trade while there's one in being transported while there's one full one. Yeah. At the, you know, like that is already filled up, standing in a warehouse somewhere. That's kind of like, so for every keg being consumed, you actually need two extra. You need yeah. three. So, okay. And it gets very expensive if you buy them. They're like 1500 bucks back then. Yeah. But the deposit on them is only 400 bucks, which leaves mm-hmm. incentive for people to steal them. You know, like, oh, yeah. shit, we lost them. Here's your 400 bucks. You know, like, yeah, yeah. You, you can make the, it's, a, it's a bit of a racket you can make money off. Anyway, um, so uh, I did all of these calculations. And, and Jason, actually, at one point, after I had like two sort of ideas to pitch to the band, which were going to be really kind of cash intensive, he's like, well, let's let's find someone to do contract brewing for you guys. You know, yeah. let's find some, someone. And now I was like, what about the kegs? And what about the warehousing and all this stuff? He's like, maybe there's a way we can, you know, mm. get around that. And um, we would have had meetings with a couple of different people. But one of the first places we sat down uh, was Devil's Peak, who back then were a really small little sort of operation yeah. running out of Woodstock. And um, I think they kind of started what, like... Uh, bunch of IT guys working in the, uh, I think, mining industry, something up in Africa. They came yeah. down, a friend of them being a brewer, yeah. got drunk in the waterfront. There was an auction for some beer stuff he told them about. They oh, went really? there like, yeah, 300,000 rand or whatever. And then they got this stuff, woke up the next morning. Oh, my God. What did we just buy? What did we just buy? And they started really? this company. Yeah, that's kind of hard. It's pretty punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so sat down. Uh, with these guys, basically told them, showed them kind of what we did with the uh, craft beer stuff, like the numbers, and they were like, this is bullshit. Like, there's no way you guys are doing these numbers through a website at these price points. And we're like, well, you can yeah. check out the... It just shows the popularity of the band mm. at this point. And, and, the, and, the, and, the, and just that strong tie to what you guys are doing, you know? Yeah. But 
uh, they around the same time were uh, trying to do something similar with a well-known Afrikaans celebrity, mm. um, and it failed miserably. Like, I mean, these, this guy has great numbers, but beer isn't really his thing. Like, yeah. uh, it's not really associated with him. No, you guys, a big part of the look of mm. and the feel of, of Fuck Off was drinking beer on stage. You know, it's like, makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, we, we gave that a go. We had a trial period. It, uh, like, the first weekend we launched, uh, we decided to launch at Capital Craft because Johan and Henk from Capital Craft, they were... Yeah early sort of supporters. Johan was one of the first guys, like when mm. he first tested the craft beer version, he was like, dude, you guys have to do lager. You know, like he was Just kind of pushing me. in a commercial, yeah. Exactly. And we decided, cool, we're going to launch with them first. And I think we had something like 40 kegs sent up for the weekend. And that was done by one o'clock on the Friday. So like over the course of that weekend, there was like 140 kegs sold. So I guess at this point you were like, with that, with that BCom degree in your back <laughs> pocket, you were like, okay, we've got something here. Like this is, there's, uh, 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 there's something, there's something, yeah, this isn't a fad. Yeah. Like yeah. this could be real. It, it, it's so crazy thinking back on that. I was like, wow, we're going to be rich. You know? <laughs> it's like actually very far from it. But um, it was amazing to see that there was actually like an appetite, a, 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 an appetite, especially in Pretoria. And, but there was still a lot of work to be done, you know, like yeah. there's in this sort of game, uh, the, the liquor industry in South Africa is like the Wild West. I mean, there are alliances being formed and like places that get completely dissolved. Someone runs out of cash. Yeah. Distribution companies, like it's, it's there's and a the lot of- And the big dogs are big. I mean, yes. something like SAB, I don't think people realize like just how big they are. They're one of the biggest breweries in the world. Dude, their growth- um, They're the, the third, the second or the third biggest brewery in the world. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> world. They, they, the offices are in like- Paris. <laughs> if they want to, they, they can squash everyone else in the yeah. market. They, they just keep us around because it actually just, um, what do you call it, creates interest in the category, like they would yeah. be calling it. Yeah. Um, no, interesting. I, I, it's, it's lovely, and it's been so great to see that. Um, but we, we could talk about yeah. for, we could talk yeah. about Fog of Lager yeah. for ages. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just great that it solidified. And then, of course, the other big thing that um, I thought was such a smart move was you creating like an actual physical space. So there's this bar that exists in Pretoria yes. that is basically your like shrine mm. and it's filled with all your memorabilia and it's just a good quality experience where someone could come. I would imagine everybody knows the band, but I mean, you could just be there and have a great time. But mm. of course it's this kind of museum to the band, which, yes. which only so many bands um, or acts not even a band thing. So many, so many acts could actually do that, and I think it's a, a testament to your, your cult, your, yeah, your yeah, sort yeah. of cult status as a band. That there's enough paraphernalia, there's enough, yeah, artifacts, sort of artifacts, and, 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 and I just, I just thought that was such a smart move in legitimizing mm. what you guys have done. Yeah, so that also it was one of those things where once the beer, once we got national distribution for the beer and everything started going well, it's like. We should start a bar. I mean, like, because you you would go to a place that sells your beer, and you would go, well, this is awesome sitting here, and it's awesome supporting the, the places, but it'd be nice to have a place of our own because you yeah. would see like the striped horse bar in Musenberg, or you would see like you know the Castle Lager bar down in um, what's that? It's not Hangton Street. It's a lot of these kinds of things are generally quite pop up. Yeah. Like you hear these things of like foo, like a Foo Fighters bar that gets set up for the weekend mm, or mm, something. Mm, mm, mm. But we actually looked at that as well. Well. The Foo Fighters one was one of the ones. There's a Kiss one and all yeah. kinds of ones. But yours is permanent, and I think that's also a nice, bold statement where you're like, 
this isn't a pop up. Yes. Like we're, this is showing that we're here Definitely. forever. Uh, and I mean, um, it also just kind of happened because we were having those conversations for a while and then we bumped into Robert Barrera, who we've known, we've known him yeah. for years and he used to do Arcade Empire and he basically just sold that. And we were like, how would you like to do another bar? And he's like, well, he's actually already got another bar. So we're like, oh, we told him about this thing. And he's like, well, that's something different. He might be interested in doing yeah. that. Yeah, he's the kind of guy who would, who would yeah, jump at that opportunity. Yeah, and I mean, he's a, he's a lovely human being. I love him. And um, yeah, so we got started with that. And I mean, like again, most of the, the work, that's completely his sort of wheelhouse. Yeah. Like he knew who to go see about which permits, like he had, you know, doing uh, scouting for locations. Yeah. And talking about location, I mean, we have that location. We, we, we basically, when we opened, it was a year of trade and then COVID happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then, um, and I mean, we were doing super well and the area, like the, the area where the bar is located was seen as it had its heyday. This is in Pretoria. In Pretoria. In, in um, uh, what's the street? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> no, no, you it's, can Google it's, it. It's, it's there. It's uh, Linwood. 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 It's, the, it's, the, it's the longest street, I think, in Pretoria. It, yep. it feels like Sounds that. Sounds about right. Yeah. Google that. We can have that fact-checked. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the area, that used to be a very popular area. Uh, and I wouldn't know which era. I think it probably would have sure. been in the 90s somewhere. Okay. That's before Hatfield Square and all those places. Apparently, that was the place. Everyone. Like Liam Lynch, who I always thought, like when I was younger, like Liam is old. Um, <laughs> like he used to tell me that him and Hanu and like the, you know the older yeah. cats, they used to go there and like fights yeah. and I don't know what else. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that uh, strip, a lot of people, like all the guys we know, like Johan and all those people, everyone was looking to that place, going like they will be a revival of that yeah. strip. And I think yeah. everyone was waiting, who's going to do it first? And then when Robert decided to take that place, which so happened to be a church right before we took ownership of oh, it. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> amazing. Like, it's like the, the, it's the such a great Church sort of, of Jesus Christ Pretoria. It's such a great sort of juju around <laughs> yeah. what the band started with. And yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it, yeah, it, it was actually perfect. Um, and so we um, moved in there, year of trade. The COVID happened. Again, Robert and them were absolute geniuses when it came to working the insurance thing because yeah. we actually had insurance for pandemics oh, wow. during uh, lockdown. But again, these insurance companies, they will try anything to yeah, weasel They'll quickly it. try and change the fine print. Their, yeah. their thing was, I think, um, because um, the, uh, we're insured for a pandemic, but we're not insured for a lockdown. That's kind of the technicality. Uh, but I mean, uh, I'm, I'm promise you, if there was no lockdown, they'd go like, "This is not a real pandemic because yeah, there's no lockdown." Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. so they would have it both ways. Robert and them, what they did is they kept on collecting uh, medical certificates from people that actually got COVID. If we were to keep on trading, if there was no lockdown, mm. if we were to keep on trading, the people that we would be in contact with on a daily, mm. they collected medical certificates. And when these people are saying, "Well, you guys don't have a case," they're like, "Well, don't you worry." If you guys are saying that the, there would have been no, um, if there was no lockdown, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we would have been covered, then these medical certificates would have been handy. So let's just wait for uh, what the outcome is on yeah. whether the lockdown is the thing because your case is still not proven. Oh, God. Okay. So then you could check these guys coming back every week. Okay. It, it was like a deal or no deal where they would yeah, phone yeah. going like, how about this number? We're like, no, no, that's not what we're insured for. Like, no. They, they basically just want us to... Sign a contract with, for a cash settlement, and then yeah. we lose that part of our coverage. So yeah. eventually that carried on for a while. A week before the alcohol ban ended, yeah. we eventually settled with them for the, very close to the full amount of what we were actually supposed to be insured for. 
Gotcha. So okay. so we actually managed to turn a mild profit while in, in COVID. Like yeah. we managed to pay all of our suppliers, we managed to pay all our staff. Yeah, because a, a bar like yours um, relied obviously so heavily on the beer. Mm. Um, like a, a, a bar, a place like yours doesn't necessarily make money off the off the food. Dude, the the price we're selling food for, like it's yeah. ridiculous. Like you can yeah. buy a burger yeah. there for forty bucks. It's <laughs> <laughs> what we sell it for. It's like yeah, that's wild. Um, but that's great, man. But listen, I wanted to ask you, what are you what are you watching? What kind of what am I watching? Yeah, let's um, talk a little video store here. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we're, we're changing gears. Ja uh, let's change a little. My, gear, my yeah. favorite thing that came out in the last year was the final season of Better Call Saul. Interesting. Okay. I, I really enjoyed the whole Breaking Bad universe and the Better Call Saul, even though it had a slow start, someone like me that's into visual stuff, I really thought that the uh, ca camera crew and the, the whole sort of production team really stepped it up uh, in terms of the visual storytelling with the whole Better Call Saul thing. Because the story was slower and there was more space for uh, you want subtlety and Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, they, they actually also have a podcast, again, back yeah. on the podcast thing. Uh, for after every episode airs, they would have a, a podcast where they discuss the episode with the relevant people, whether it's people oh, in production cool. or actors yeah. or writers or I think Vince Gilligan and uh, Peter Gould uh, sat in on a lot of those. Because, I mean, for every episode of Better Call Saul, there's a lot. I mean, six seasons, 10 episodes, so 60 or whatever. There's like equivalent. Yeah, podcast. there's a lot it's of juice. Really, there. really, really good. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I think one of the best finale seasons of all time. Um, of late, I've also watched uh, The Last of Us, mm -hmm. which is actually not a category I enjoy. I don't really enjoy zombie stuff. Sure, sure. Uh, but the whole post-apocalyptic world and how that would look after everything yeah. collapses and how people decide to restructure. Yeah, that's um, quite fair. That's always quite interesting. Yeah. If, if you think like... The got zombie the... stuff, uh, I think, is sometimes a bit crazy. But it's also just like how the world would rebuild mm. is, is kind of interesting and, and in their case they have which i think is completely plausible they have fedra and the fireflies the other fireflies are obviously the rebels yeah and i would think that um, i mean we haven't really they haven't properly showed us who is who and i know this thing is based on a video game i don't really play video games so yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't know i haven't watched There's too probably much people going it, yeah. out there like you don't understand this world um but as far as i can gather the fedra people are kind of seen as the fastest sort of thing like yeah. they, their way of solving and rebuilding society is by making you go to school and you become an officer and you work you know a bit yeah. like a cop and you work your way up into some sort of administrative role and yeah you know um which i would think is probably if you look at today's sort of political leanings that would be sort of the the left you know like if you okay. go f full left and a lot of people are saying you know if you go full left you might become a bit of a fascist so that's very interesting looking at in those broken down terms. And if you look at the Fireflies people, they're probably like the people like freedom, you know, like the Trump supporting yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. type of, you know, like I, I won't be told what to do. Like, yeah. So it's interesting if you break it down into those sort of ground floor primitive ways. You go like, yeah. is this actually what we're looking at here? Like, is yeah. this the options? It's, you know? Yeah, it's like a sort of blueprint to sort of what, yeah. Because neither seem appealing. Be. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So Last of Us has been something big. What do you uh, want to watch more of? What do I want to watch more of? Like in terms of genre? Yeah, I guess like what kind of stuff appeals to you? I like documentaries. Um, okay. Sometimes some of the true, true, true crime stuff is interesting. Mm. I don't really like a lot of the serial killer stuff. Yeah, sometimes that just is too harrowing for me. It's, it's like, 
Yeah, sometimes the you just feel like such an empty the... human. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the reward afterwards. It's not like, you know, you finish it. It's like, oh, and everyone's dead and cool. That guy probably. Yeah, if there's a lesson you. to learn, like this is what I've said about some of that stuff. Control your like, impulses. Well, if there's like a, <laughs> if, if it's like a, if it's the kind of thing where what's harrowing is that there's so many of those out there. Let's just say like a Tinder swindler or yeah. like something yeah. like, oh, yes, yes. you know, like something like that. Then there's a lesson to be learned. But if there's like one fucked up individual, mm. it's like, it's just one. There'll always be, there'll always be that yeah, guy. Yeah. They'll, you know, like, let's not glamorize the one fucked up. Let's yeah. talk about like what could be happening in society where thousands of these could be created. Because yeah. on the one hand, you have the fact that I think it's becoming less and less possible for people to become serial killers in a sort of area because of all the geo-tracking devices and all sure. the stuff how, how you can yeah. put someone on the scene but on the other hand if you want to be a serial killer you've got like the whole textbook there now you, you uh, can watch all of these yeah, things and you can yeah. check, oh, that's where that fucker went wrong usually they get lazy you know that's <laughs> that's usually where they fuck up but i mean they, yeah like it's it's going to basically create a lot more interesting much more uh what do you call it uh, it's like copycatting yeah like copycat killings and yeah. and yeah, more what is it, the right word like cognitive Killers like people that really put like the premeditation into every yeah. move, because that's one of, also one of the things I heard. Of, a friend of mine who's now passed away from COVID. Um, he was writing a show. I think it was called The Bail, but like he was researching a lot of serial killer stuff in South Africa and was basing a lot of his stuff on that. And he uh, also has a psychology degree. And he says the thing is with a lot of these serial killers is a lot of them aren't very bright. You know, like uh, interesting, like that. What eventually catches up to them is their impulses to kill become stronger than their sort of intelligence, intelligence, and the way that they, you know, like their restraint. Yeah, that's how a lot of them go out. Um, and so this is someone you know who was researching South African serial killers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you say he's no longer with us. No, no, he, um, yeah, like actually much better friends with uh, with Pierre from Evils. Uh, like this guy Leon. Yeah, he's a uh, yeah, he was a scriptwriter for okay. a lot of South African TV. Was that stuff. recently or was that in the pandemic? Uh, in the pandemic time, I think probably 2021. Yeah. So after the first sort of bump, yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've often said that, yeah, there's just so much material for true crime in South Africa, but I, sometimes it just feels a bit harrowing because it just feels a bit too close Did, to home. So, South Africa, funny enough, I've got the, I've got the book here um, about Pete Bellefeld, and he says, uh, you, you know, Pete uh, Bellefeld, yeah, he, he, was was the, like, he was the cop. The South African super sleuth, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, smoked cigarettes, and uh, what was his thing? A bout of cocaine, which is like grandpas and Coca-Cola. That's like what he ran on. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, dude. He would like take double grandpa and Coca-Cola, and that apparently, because there's a lot of caffeine in grandpa, and there's caffeine in Coke. So he would like, his thing would be uh, the crime scene, know like he'd have it locked off they would check it out and then he would like late at night he would go back there and he would go sit and smoke cigarettes and just look at everything go through everything on the actual where everything went down yeah and you know that was kind of a signature thing but what he you says in, you, but you can imagine the show you can imagine yeah. the the biopic like yeah. it could be so well made yeah dude. No, about but, him exactly and but obviously there's also the people that come out and say yeah yeah he wasn't that great you know because he's yeah. died now subsequently i think lung cancer or something yeah you can fact check that as well <laughs> Um, but uh, South Africa yeah. is an interesting uh, research place for serial killings because South Africa has got the place where, with the most serial killers that don't follow a certain modus operandi. 
So in America, in those places, oh, you've got people, uh, is the knife killer, is the axe, you know, guy. Mm-hmm. South Africa, you've got these guys that like rope, hammer, rock, <laughs> gun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Whatever's there. Yeah, yeah. They, they just go. Because like, I think a lot of the killings are also probably not just for satisfaction, just also robbing people and just going. Just life, know? yeah. yeah. I remember someone saying that, that you know, Barragwanath and some of those intense hospitals would be the last place you and I would want to ever go mm. um, or find ourselves in. But um, there are people that um, would do anything to be there. And those are the uh, medical students from around the world would give anything to, oh. to work oh. in a Barragwanath because they were like, you'll never get more experience. hands-on experience. Hands but on. with like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the real work. But with like guns and knives, you know, like mm. maybe in the UK you get like, a bottle yeah. or something. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. Or like a hammer or something. But like, Australia, like, definitely no gun with. No guns, yeah. yeah. And and you just get this incredible experience. And yeah. so like, it's crazy that, they, that that exists. Yeah, like some sort of medical tourism. You know, like yeah. imagine some... Yeah, well, they just get such great experience of, of just doing it night after night, stitching knife wounds. Yes, dude. But um, talking about movies, I watched uh, two days ago. Like I told you, I've got a kid. So... Me finding time during the day to watch something is yeah. very, very um, uncommon. Yeah. Because if I've got the late part of the afternoon off and my kid is still at the crash, I mm. would feel bad for, you know, not picking up and doing something with her. Yeah, totally. Just chilling out at home. Um, but anyway, so we had soundcheck the other day playing at the Omche um, uh, Theatre. Came back home, had a bit of free time because it turns out my in-laws took my child for an afternoon. It's exciting. And um, I was like, well, I've got this time off now. So I decided what to... What did you do? I watched <laughs> All Along the Western Front. So that's like okay. a two and something hour movie. Yeah. So I yeah. figured like by the time my kid gets home, I can just probably press pause on it and then finish it that night. And uh, I think it was 20 minutes from the end of the movie, my wife phoned me. She's like, yeah, yeah, get the, get the brush and like the mop. You know, like the kid puked all over the car. So <laughs> had to pause that movie, got out, like went yeah, out yeah. into the rain, yeah. took a baby seat apart and just awesome. scrubbed um, yeah. vomit out of it. But anyway, that's not the point of my story. That movie yeah. is super. Have you watched that? No, not yet. It is incredible. Okay. It is it is such a bummer, but it's so well done. Okay, and what do you mean by bummer? It's like, it's a, it it's just a, shows it's a depressing the, film. It shows you the most, uh, the hell of war. Yeah, it's World War One. World War One, yeah. And it was, uh, it was. There was an original, and they've since remade it. Um, there was an original that came out um, shortly after World War Two. I think it was in the forties or the fifties. Oh, really? We I need didn't to know check that. that. Yeah. Okay. I also found out there was an original Scarface. What? It's an aside, but every <laughs> how does that guy feel? <laughs> so the second guy just knocked yeah. it out of the park. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've seen that because. That was the what, that's one of the Oscar films that I I haven't seen. Yeah, was that a did it come out on cinema or was it straight to Netflix type of thing? I I don't know. So did you watch it on Netflix? Yeah, I didn't know it was on Netflix. Yeah, I'm a bit of a noob in that regard. It's yeah. uh, really really good. Like just not to spoil anything because I mean, it, like most of the grit comes from the war stuff. Yeah, but um, it basically starts off with these kids. You can see they're super excited. Like there's like, mm. I think what, it's, what was promised or told to the people living in the cities, especially these private school kids, mm. which I think th- these are the guys that they follow, that they kind of fake their, um, or at least the one kid fakes his dad's signature to go to To, to enlist, yeah. To enlist. 
And you can see these guys are so excited, you know, like yeah. these four guys, you know, in the training, like getting their uniforms and yeah. being on the bus, you know, going there. And then they go to the front lines. And then within like the first five minutes, they're like, I don't want to be here. Shoveling someone, shit out of a trench. You know, there were, there were centuries of, of the might of the British Empire and, and, you know, everything that it did. And there was some thing I saw, uh, a YouTube video, which was basically like what, what almost kind of ended so much momentum for Britain was the amount of quality people who died, quality mm. young men mm. who died mm. in World War I. And it was both the sheer amount of them mm. And the sheer quality of their brains, like they weren't just sort of factory workers, yes. that single-handedly like toppled the momentum that this country was going to have, mm. and has kind of never been quite the same since. Yeah, I, in I terms of like, a, believe that. you know, by sort of mid-century, you know, forties, fifties, they sort of started seeing the the, the result. Yeah, the. the it's interesting, yeah. But, uh, they were sort of uh, never quite the same again. But this one is interesting because it follows Germans. So you are oh. you are on the viewpoint of the Germans, and the Germans obviously being kind of the most modern economy or whatever in Europe now, whatever. But a couple of years ago, the, the Germans were still very much seen as the bad guys, you yeah, know, like yeah. they were the Nazis. And so it's interesting to watch something from World War One where they weren't the Nazis yet. Yeah, um, I think the Social Democrats were the guys actually calling an end to the war um, at that point. Okay. Uh, yeah, but um, uh, what was the thing I wanted to say now well, about that? Have you seen nineteen seventeen? Oh, one of the best, one of the best. That's I, also I, World I, War One. I, I, I watched that three times in the cinema at IMAX. Three uh, times. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. I, wa I watched it once in IMAX, and I just loved the fact that here was an IMAX movie um, that just showed off in such a subtle way. Like, not only was it just beautiful shots, but um, when there was that explosion, it just the sound of that explosion was just so, yeah. so deafening in an IMAX, mm. and those guns were not, you know, it's not like you heard so many like in a Marvel movie where there's just guns sure, everywhere yeah. or whatever. It's, like, it's almost like a symphony of yeah. That when you hear that sort of rifle, it really like ah. Oh. Mm. But 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 you know the interesting about thing about 1917, I watched the behind the scenes because like as you can realize, I really found out on that movie, is the they built the trenches according to the dialogue. So they, yes. th they would map out an open field, have people, have the, the actors rehearse the, um, the, the blinds while walking yeah. and running and whatever, yeah. and they'd go, okay, cool, this seems like it's the This is a 20-meter trench. Or this is the a ex excavators or whatever. Like, and they but just what's like, so amazing movies. about that movie is that for someone like myself and you, yeah. you went in probably knowing its biggest gimmick let's call it's, it a it's gimmick kind of the one shot is the thing. fact that this movie is made to sort of be one continuous shot yes and we knew that we watched it we loved it and appreciated it but then what was so interesting is like my parents watched it and i was like and how amazing was it that it was one shot and they, they were like realize. they were like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's that's what probably made it so special but but i mean you're and there I mean, I remember like, that year thinking like that should have won. I don't remember what did. I win. think I think La La Land won, or something. Was like that. it wasn't that? Yeah. Oh no, it no 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 after no. La La Land. La La Land and Moonshine. Moon, yeah, Moonlight. Moonlight. Yeah, was that after La La Land? Yeah, yeah it was like a year 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 after yeah, I think. But it was it was one of those where um, 
I really thought that should have won. Like, uh, it was just such a great piece of cinema. But I think in today's age, uh, movies about World War One, historical movies probably won't. Perhaps. <laughs> okay. Perhaps, so yeah. I'll, I'll be like, we're entering our sort of middle age era now. Like now stuff like that. Fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> Fascinating. I read this book on history the other day. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. You're yeah. expanding your mind. You're learning. Yeah. History, yeah. I must say, I've grown up in a house where my dad um, has always been been a great admirer and reader of, of historical books and, yeah, well, and by that as well yeah and it, it's 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 one of those it sounds a bit cheesy to say but it's it's true that you can kind of learn a lot about today by the past mm. you know and like how Very people choose to do there. things like just to sort of tie back to our pandemic um speech it's mm. like i don't think it could have played out in any other way i think humans would have naturally done yeah. everything the exact same way. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, like, and no everyone would have, you yeah. know, there would have been one or two countries that would have been like Sweden, like they were. Mm. Most would kind of overdo it. Most would be upset that they overdid it, but fucking rather overdo it than underdo but, it. But the interesting thing is there's not a lot of, um, uh, what do you call it, research that has been done about like if you, the rest of Africa, there wasn't a lot of, COVID reinforcement there. Like friends yeah. of mine that travel up, they're like, dude, you know, I just came back from Nigeria. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, really. <laughs> but like when it's Sweden, it's like their policy is like, yeah, Nigeria yeah. is like, yeah, 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 we, we're doing that. Like, no, we're not. <laughs> no, it'll be fascinating to see. And, and when COVID 23 rolls around, or maybe hopefully in another hundred years, um, there'll be sort of a better blueprint as to sort of what to do. But it was such an interesting time. For it, it, it doesn't seem like we learned anything though. Like <laughs> the, the amount of sort of, like I was speaking to someone else the other day, like um, you got, like in America, they, they're very clear cut in terms of their factions, you know, they're in the blue. Yeah. And these people just throw shit at each other. Like yeah, now yeah. If, if the Red sees a study that's been done that says masks were ineffective, they're going to publicize this and put it all over Fox News yeah. and whatever. And that, yeah. unfortunately, because the whole world looked to America, that, trickles over to our shores and mm. like uh, you have to sit in a pub somewhere and talk to a friend who's studied his LLB who's going to be telling you that shit. And um, again, with the blue, they're going to see a, st a different study that, you know, and yeah. we're always going to be in this yeah. thing. We're never going to know what the truth is. We're yeah. never going to know if it escaped out of a lab. Does it even fucking matter? I don't know. Who knows, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's just funny that it has the biggest fucking lab on, you know, uh, viral diseases there. It's just interesting. It's curious. Yeah. But... If it did, or it came from a monkey, like or a bat, does yeah. it matter? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like it fucked us. That's what what matters. <laughs> um, speaking of better not call Saul, um, did better you watch Kaleida, um, Kaleidoscope? No. What's that? The 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 dude who was the main guy from uh, Bob Odenkirk. Uh, no, sorry, the um, black gentleman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he also was in the Mandalorian. What's his name? Yeah, uh, yeah. He's got he's got a, a Spanish name. He's got a Spanish name. Uh, uh, Kaleidoscope's really interesting, and you'd appreciate that. It was on Netflix, and its sort of loose gimmick was that um, you could watch the show in any order. Do you remember? Oh, that? I heard about that. Yeah, <laughs> I saw. I think I saw a, a satire site. Of like page that said like yo we watched Kaleidoscope in any order it still didn't make any sense <laughs> which way we watched it which yeah. is interesting like no, yeah, it's, it, so it's about a heist it's about a heist yeah. yeah yeah it's interesting to to play with that for the first time mm. you know um, and teach people just who wouldn't necessarily think about it to think about structure and think mm. about mm. storytelling mm. structure just mm. kind of it just 
playful in that regard. Yeah, that must be very interesting to do because in storytelling, you you got that hero's uh, what's it the hero's, the hero's journey, hero's journey, which is the most effective one. Like uh, yeah. Hunter's been um, studying a lot of that stuff because he's writing a book now. But there's a couple. It's like songwriting structures. There's actually there, you, yeah. Every once in a while, you find close. something that lends itself to do something different, but not as a rule. <laughs> And I can imagine whoever did Kaleidoscope must have had a hell of a time to try and figure out how to Well, I, yeah, I'd imagine, I, I've got a feeling there was probably this moment where they were like, wait, you know, we filmed it with each episode being a different time period around this heist. And then someone going, well, what order should we put this in? And then, then someone going, well, hang on. What's kind of interesting could be the fact that anyone could do it yeah. in, any in, any, in any order. Mm. And then... Or, or it was just t terrible and they're like, let's just uh, scramble it up. You figure it out. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, talking about heists, have you watched that? Um, I can't, uh, it's called The Greatest Heist or like, I don't know, Google it, uh, find out what it is. It's a, a, about a heist that happened in Buenos Aires. It's, it's a documentary. It's really, okay. really, really fascinating. Um, where, where is it on? It's on, I think, also on Netflix. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's on Netflix. Definitely on Netflix. Um, but it's it's they interview all the guys that were part of the heist. They do the reenactments and everything, and they stole a fuck ton of money. But like, but, but all they, subtitles. They, they get the guys to reenact. Yeah, and none of them are in jail anymore. I think the the guy who went to jail for the longest was like a year and something. This guy is a fascinating human. He's like a guy who did. He's an artist. Then he started doing martial arts, and then he started growing his own weed. Okay, <laughs> nice. and then he figured out his greatest art piece is going to be robbing this bank and like he it was around the time um like there was the recession and like he was just checking out how people were losing their houses and whatever because of the bank so he, he figured himself a bit of a robin hood but he was also a stoner martial arts artist oh what and, a nice character and he, he gets this and it's really nicely put together it's got that sort of oceans 11 type-esque thing where they like you know they have the 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 scientist and yeah. they have the whatever yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. give them that sort of the team uh, david yeah. holmes-esque type of you know like um what do you call it, drum and bass sort of music playing uh, when they cool, introduce cool, the cool. person. Uh, that's the way I remember it. But um, it's super, super good. Like, And uh, no one that I've spoken to have watched that because I think a lot of people that would turn on something because it's I think it is uh, Argentinian production. Yeah, so, so they're, they're like, actually, oh, in... it's subtitles, fuck that, I'm not watching. Mm. But this one was, was really good. Okay, so you yeah. must give me the name of it. Bank Robbers, The Last Great Heist. Magic. Well, here I am getting something... Hey. From you to rent instead hey. of the other way hey, around. Hey, 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 hey! But yeah, listen, I I appreciate the time because hey. I've got to um, I've got to start making my way. Yeah, dude. But it's lovely. You're good at this. Thank you. Yeah, you're good at this stuff. I it's... I I just am also largely using it as a chance to just connect with mm. the people that I want to connect, mm. catch up with the people who are, you know, friends. Mm. because this is a chance to like actually yeah dude well i i should probably also start a podcast because then i'd be able to get out of the house more you know not feel bad <laughs> banning my family <laughs> no now's your time and and was your kid born in the pandemic yes yeah a also, also con conceived in the pandemic Lovely. With, well, with much th effort then you can also appreciate like spending that amount of time with her Definitely, I think where like, we, you we, could we, have been doing a lot of shows. You could have been traveling a lot. Yes. Where you kind of have to do that to mm. put the bread on. Mm. True. And and you could appreciate her more. Mm. No, I think a, there's a real gift to those kinds of things. Mm. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I think there's there's a bit of uh, what do you call it like uh, uh, like when we take her to school, she fucking cries every morning. Uh, 
when we have to take her to school, I have to make all kinds of promises and then she stops crying and then she goes oh, to school. Shit. So I wonder if that also has to do with the fact that we were basically like, yeah. for the first six months of her life at least, we were like sort of homebound. Stuck in know? the, yeah. yeah. But interesting, man. Thank you. Cool, Thanks bro. for the time. It's been lovely. I'm glad and we can make it happen. Yeah. Like it took a bit of uh, rescheduling. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hard. And this is what's, what's difficult about being the musician and I think you know this, is like you might have a lot of time but it's not your own. Mm. You can't just sort of swing over to the bioscope mm, and meet mm. me. Like you, you got to go from there to a sound check, and then you got to wait, and then you got to be gotta there. You got to go to the bar. You got to, and you got to move like four guys around you, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's only difficult. one van. Yeah, it's yeah. difficult. So thanks, Didi. High five. That's it. All right, uh, that was a a lacquer chat. God, I love that dude. Yeah, he's a great guy. Solid dude. Always, he always sends me uh, interesting YouTube videos. Yeah, I, I get messages on Instagram from him occasionally. Well, when he when he sort of sees something that he thinks you'd like. Yeah, because we often chat. Um, I love YouTube and I've watched constantly, and he always, we're always recommending channels to each other. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it called now that you just had to do? Oh, I'm adopting a kitten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You or and trying Jess. to? Yeah, a little. Um, a ragamuffin with a deformed tail, which is already named a bunny, and apparently we can't change it. All right. The cat's called? Bunny. Bunny. Because it's got like a bunny tail. Cute, man. All right. Uh, Graham, what were you saying about uh, the month of June? Oh, June is bonkers. Just the number of movies that are coming out. Okay, what do we have? Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We have Transformers. There's Animal Transformers now, whatever that movie's called. Yeah, like big mechanical gorillas. Yeah, it's like it's. Like Beast Wars, like the animated show Beast Wars, basically. Which, if you're a 90s kid, you probably know Beast Wars. What is this, the 27th Transformers movie? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But if it's more like Bumblebee, then I'm fine with it. Because Bumblebee was actually surprisingly good. It was good. Yeah. And then we got Asteroid you, you, City. You pointed that out. You pointed out why Bumblebee was good. It's the, exactly the same story as the first one. But it's told... But it's the way the movie, that movie should have been made. Which is to have a female protagonist. Yeah, because the, the protagonist, um, Haley Steinfeld's character, is basically the same character as Megan Fox's character. They're like the same person, essentially. But she's the lead. Yeah. She should have been, instead of the flailing, sweaty sidekick. Yeah. The, the main character. Yeah, that's right. Which um, is wild. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, Ju- I mean, June 16th alone is Asteroid City. Which, which I'm is, very excited about. Yeah, that's New Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, Elemental, which is Pixar's new movie, and The Flash, all on the same day, which is wild. And then end of the month is Indiana Jones. Yeah, that it's, June sixteenth is interesting because it's it's it'll be a big day for cinema in South Africa because yeah. of it being a public holiday. But mm-hmm. it's a specific weekend in America. Um, oh, is it? I think there's like a public holiday. It's like Workers' Day or Labor, like Labor Day weekend oh, or something. Okay. Something they normally have like it's normally a bonkers. Right. Oh, the, so their weekend is the same as ours. Mm. Like they also have like a long weekend it's, in the states. Yeah, it's, it's yeah they 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 do they do tend to um, plan these things accordingly. Yeah, and also yeah, in in anticipation of the summer mm-hmm. because you know in the, in America this the kids are off for like two months. Yeah, because studios will like announce that they're releasing a movie on a date, even mm. if they don't know what the movie is. But they'll get it like three years in advance to say, well, like we're moving, we're releasing a movie on this date, so the other studios. So what did the three like Elemental Flesh and um, Asteroid City? They're all wildly different groups. Oh yeah, yeah. So totally like, different audiences. Okay, well, Asteroid mm. City is a bit older, but I think Flesh and Elemental more. Mm. I'm sure it's PG thirteen, probably. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, Elemental being 
another smart, cute Pixar movie mm. where it it's all about like fire, water. It looks very much like Inside Out, just from what I've seen. Of, yeah. The way the characters look. It's basically yeah. a city where all the characters are like different elements. So there's like part of the city that there's is fire, fire city and then there's yeah. water and then it's... It's probably like a little play on race. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I feel and like these you can't mix. Pixar and movies like at the surface that like seem a little silly, but oh, they, there's no way they fail. Like they, they yeah, do, they fail they very rarely. Yeah. Um, so a, a film like Inside Out is a philosophy masterclass. Hundred mm, yeah, percent. me and Russell watched that next to each other on a plane. Oh, yeah. Right. And yeah, at the particular moment. I'm um, sorry, not philosophy, psychology. Yes. Psychology, yeah. yeah. And at one one moment, like a very particular sad moment, like Russell just kind of taps me and just this, this look. <laughs> well, let me explain. So, so this was on one of the trips to Japan. Oh, okay, cool. And you know, each person's generally on their own mission in terms of what they watch on a plane, right? It's very individual. Mm-hmm. So, for some dumb reason, we were like, let's watch this movie together. Right. In that, like, if one of us needs to go to the bathroom, we'll both yes. pause yeah. so that we can kind of actually have what is the wonder of cinema and mm. watching which is this communal thing <laughs> yeah and so we watch inside out and have you seen it yeah so the bing bong scene oh yes <laughs> i look over to gad i'm crying yes. i look over to gad gad's crying and so we were sharing this moment together mm. on a plane i called him bing bong for the whole time <laughs> <laughs> but that that is like testament to how good pixar are because I hated that character when they first introduced him. I was like, I don't like this guy. He's irritating and yeah. weird and get out of here. But then when he dies in inverted commas. But I, I, I think it's interesting that apparently the original cut was even more excruciating. Oh, really? Apparently it was even more dramatic. They wow. they, they, they cut it down. They toned it down. Yeah. Um, Sweet Tooth Season 2 mm. is but now on Netflix. We've spoken about Season 1 in the early episodes. I've started it. Yeah, so okay. far so good. Yeah, it's um, it's a very pretty show. Okay, oh, it looks yeah, amazing. And like, like we've brought up before, compared to the comics, yeah, the comic is apparently quite like horrific. Oh really? Because <laughs> they, it's all about near future, um, where a virus mm. ravages the world. Right. World, <laughs> and at the same time, or, or it's not particularly a virus. It's just. This thing goes out in the world that all newborn children are born as hybrids. But the, uh, no, the, the thing is, the two uh, happen at the same time and they don't know which happened first. Isn't it the same thing? Well, they're connected. They're clearly connected, but they're not entirely sure which came first. They still don't know. There's still, there's still a, a mystery about it. I should have watched the season one recap, but yeah, is so, there, so, were so, people dying as well? Yeah, so not only were the humans that existed mm-hmm. slowly dying, right. like they get this kind of flu-like virus and I think it starts with the one woman's finger starts twitching and so we're busy following someone who's getting it but for the most part the humans have all those who've died have died and these Mm. cities are kind of covered in in reeds and and plants but at the same time um, kids are starting to be born that are hybrid Mm. human animal hybrid so like maybe they got wings or they got like an elephant trunk and so they're these like very what I could imagine could be very creepy um, animations in yeah. a in a graphic novel, but um, in this very high budget Netflix series, Disneyfied them almost. They they look very cute, <laughs> oh, right. um, and it's it's now the kind of last men, and the, the secret is kind of somewhere in the hybrids, yeah. like 
and, and a lot's going on. But we have a fun little recurring thing on the video store, which is, I'd like to name it, the Saffa Spotter. Oh, yes. <laughs> which is when we pick up a strange um, but cool South African character. Right. And we have a Saffa in right. Sweet Teeth. Nice. The bad guy. Well, we're not quite sure how bad he is, but he's the he might dude. Might be good in the context of everything. Else. We don't know. We don't know at this point, but he seems really bad. He's the dude with the cool glasses and the beard. Right. If you listen closely, it is a very South African accent. Oh, okay. I'm not sure who the dude is. Right. I'm assuming he's South African. He's, yeah, I googled. He's oh, a okay. South African actor. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's going to pretend to do that for no reason. <laughs> well, well, Richard sometimes Roxburgh it's a did a Mission Impossible Two for some reason. Exactly. Or even Andy Serkis in was he in Black Panther? Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes yeah, sometimes it's a decision. Um okay, then uh I really enjoyed um the Ed Sheeran documentary on or Plus documentary minus series. Mm. Well, it's called The Sum of It All. Uh, okay. It basically okay. um puts the whole career of Ed Sheeran into four parts. I uh, appreciated it. Mm. There's a lot of vulnerability, a lot of honesty, a lot of personal story i think for anyone who's interested in getting a sense of what that kind of life is like mm. um what i loved the most was hearing about how planned his career was uh, right. it wasn't it wasn't a fluke mm. he manifested it he worked harder than everyone else yeah. he knew his adversity which was this kind of an attractive ginger <laughs> yeah. male in the countryside of england but he was like i need to work harder than everyone else, I need to play more shows, and he created it. I think there's a there's something uh, of a motivation there for people to mm. to realize their dream. Yeah, um, through a guy like him. Okay, I'm gonna check it out now. It it plays very yeah. easily. It's not a difficult film. To watch it without you. Is it a film, not a series? Sorry, it's 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 four parts. Oh, okay, it's cool. a four part. Each one's about half an hour. Oh, okay. So it kind of okay. it's That's almost manageable. like a film. You know? Okay, so you can split it up. Yeah, and that was cool. literally like Leslie's thing. I said I want to watch this, and she was like, oh, yeah. it's like a series." And then she's like, "Oh no, it's short, it's quick." Yeah. And it, and it, we finished it in a night, like a film. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think there's more to him than than you think. Every every one of those made by endorsed by the artist film should have you leave them mm. like liking them yes like the taylor swift one does a particular job the katie mm. perry one does a particular job mm. but this one i think was a bit more special it was a bit more intimate okay it was a bit more yeah i enjoyed it cool okay so that's on disney plus yeah um also on disney plus yeah. i watched barbarian oh yes, you were talking you about that. that yeah oh my god <laughs> Okay, so so the basic idea, the setup is two people rock up at this place thinking that they've booked it through Airbnb, right? And neither of them, but they're both like suspicious of each other, and they end up staying the night. And they somehow get to the basement, and they discover that there's a room with a camera and a bed, and no one knows what's going on. And then it turns out that there's even more downstairs. Okay, they they hear voices and. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin anything. Mm. English. It's in English. Yeah, definitely English. It's American a, made. It's American made. It's his directorial debut. Okay. What did you do before? No, no, the debut. So he's, oh, okay. I think he might have done like music videos or something. Like okay, okay, okay. And um, yeah, there's a few guys in the cast. Um, the guy from it still is it still in? Oh, still in Skarsgård. 
uh, one of the scars god. Yeah. The, the guy who played the it, and then also oh, that Canadian actor. Um, I think I know Justin Long from, is in yeah, it. Yeah, he's he from okay. Tusk. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I love how I love how that's your go-to of <laughs> of Justin Long's filmography. I mean, it's the dude from um, Dodgeball. Is it Dodgeball? Uh, but see, I mean, I think I've seen. Oh really? <laughs> I've seen Tusk. And I'll never forget that. So I would associate him with Tusk. Too. Yeah, I don't know why that was the first thing. Do you know about Tusk, Graham? Yeah. The Kevin Smith yeah. movie. Wild. Yeah. What also, a wild it, movie. It's a movie they like invented on his podcast. Oh, really? They came the up kind with the idea on his podcast and then turned it into the a smod, movie. The Smodcast. Yeah. It's a very indie, small horror yeah. that, that will disappear also, into time. This but, is also <laughs> in the same vein. I would put it in the same like space. Okay. This, um, Barbarian. Barbarian. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like, like weird body humor and... Horror? Yeah. V- like terrifying. Oh. Wild. Yeah. yeah okay. I was I was literally like... Because I was watching it in the dark last night. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's a scary one. It's, it's a little bit like Yellow Jackets. Oh, right. Season yeah. two. I'm, I'm getting into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm up to and date. And we can, we can only do an episode a night. Because it's <laughs> fucking creepy, man. No, I'm, I'm, well, I'm watching them like as they're coming. So yeah, yeah right. don't have more than that. Yeah, I know. We just got to the point with the bonfire with the chick and... Oh, oh wow. Okay, so you're a bit behind. Okay. A little bit behind, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a somewhat lighter note, um, I, every now and again, am subjected to... I would say, but I kind of willingly oblige to watch a um, more of a uh, made-for-TV movie kind of romantic uh, comedy. Yeah. Um, and we watched The Tourist's Guide to Love. Oh, okay. Um, no idea which that is. wasn't that bad. Um, <laughs> anyone um, in my position who perhaps wants to watch something light and fun and a bit of a romantic comedy with mm. their partner, not a bad movie. Okay. It's um, Rachel Lee Cook. Who uh, we remember right. from she's, um, all she's All That. Yeah. She's now very she's much in Josie grown the Pussycats. Up. She's my, in my Josie. Girl. And, um, <laughs> the movie is her having to go to Vietnam and of course she meets right. someone and there's a whole story. I don't I don't necessarily need to get into it, but not she's a bad all movie. that again. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad movie. And you know what? Where's that on? That is on Netflix. Um, but another little one of those kind of movies which I watched, which is on DSTV box office, is the last Magic Mike film. Oh, Magical Michael. Magical Magical Michael, The Last Dance. Right. And you know I've what? I've never seen any of those. Well, let me tell you about it, Gad. <laughs> They're not that bad. People like those movies, dude. For like, a bunch of on bunch my list. Of, for um, a bunch of reasons. Like unironically, people like those movies. They 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 obviously feed something for a female sensibility, which is like, you know, sexy men doing a dance and it's kind of very sensual and each film has some level of kind of um, romance to them. Mm. But they are not ridiculous movies. They are made by um, Soderbergh. Soderberg, yeah. yeah. And so he does... All of the, does he do all of them? He definitely did the first one and the last one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he did, he did the middle three. one. Yeah. They're approached in a very real, almost artistic, like art film way. Like mm. they, it reminds me of Glow in a way. Is it similar at all to that? Uh, it's just the tone. No, it's not as silly. It's it's. Um, Did you say Glow silly? Well, it's a comedy. 
Okay. Where they, so where magic, magic for the laugh. Not, not no, not necessarily. Okay. No, no. It's it's quite real. Mm. Okay. It's quite like. Isn't it like semi-autobiographical for Channing Channing Tatum's for Steven Soderbergh? So, I think somewhat. No, he was a he was, he was a, a, stripper, a stripper at, yeah. at one point. No, so there are these dance sequences, and some part of them are a bit like musical, fantastical, but mm. the acting is very real. Right. If that makes sense, mm. it's not a ham-fisted kind of yeah. sh- shot for shot kind of character it's it's it's, it's very real mm. so they actually play r- well okay and this last one was was on point right okay just not a bad film okay um where it, are you on in your movie or not it's yeah. still still going still going strong i watched all of the Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> <laughs> I voluntarily watched Too Fast, Too Furious, the greatest movie title of all time. Oh, God. That was uh, rough. Um, uh, we are uh, later this week going to yeah. the premiere of the 10th one, which I, thought, X. which I thought was the last one. <laughs> Turns out it is not. At least it's the beginning of the end. Yeah. Christ. Um but no it's a it's a it's a thing we've spoken about a lot on the show that it's made billions, right? So yeah, much money. No, they there there certainly is a formula which is working. There there's a strong argument that perhaps we've peaked and oh, that yeah. perhaps these movies are um unless there was a dramatic evolutionary change, which I mm. don't think there would be Probably because not. because they've got their formula. Yeah. But that formula is getting a little old. Yeah. I mean, in 20 years' time, we're going to start getting crossovers of all these. So it's going to be too fast to transform. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they're getting a bit silly, but, but perhaps... Oh, they're the way f- past silly. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, um, pe- five is genuinely a good movie. Fast Five is a properly good movie. Which one was that? That's the one where they steal the safe. In Brazil? Yes. Okay. Yeah, fast Five is like a, a euphemism, na- euphemism for... Uh, <laughs> Ignore that. <laughs> it's the worst you all can title. imagine the action that Gad just made. Um, <laughs> but it's like it feels like a sort of n- more natural, like continuation of the series. Because the first yeah. one's about stealing freaking DVD players. You know, really? Yeah, that's what they do. They're like robbing the trucks, and they have like DVD players and TVs and shit. <laughs> right? So when they came remember. out, they were very expensive. So the fact that, that Five is like a heist movie makes sense. Yeah, but and it's that's when, when they the... get into like. I think about seven is where it basically turns into like a spy movie. Well, it also becomes yeah quite family drama. Yeah, in a sense, which is why doing it somewhat revengey, doing it somewhat. It's why I really dislike the eighth one. I hate that movie. Which one's the eighth one? Okay, so they spend like four, five, six, and seven on this whole like family thing. It's all about the family. Yeah, it's about this team of people, right? And this team of people are like they're greater than the sum of their parts you yeah. know and this like group, specific group of people can like achieve impossible things yeah. and eight comes along and goes nope actually it's just vin diesel because that's the one where vin diesel goes like rogue and he's working with he's working with shalon uh, theron's terrible hairdo yeah 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 and she has cornrows yeah the two of them team up oh. whatever oh that's oh yeah no because that's he was keeping it a secret as to why he Needed to go rogue. Yeah, for some reason. Why the fuck didn't he just tell them? Yeah. There's no, that's never justified why he doesn't like, and that would have been cool at the end if it had been like revealed that they were in on it the whole time. Yeah. I would have been totally fine with that. But the thing is like, he's like stronger than all of them put together. He's smarter than all of them put together. His car is stronger than all of their cars put together. You <laughs> Do you know? know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, um, I think it's Louis C.K. talking oh, yeah. about um, 
<laughs> Matt Damon writing Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yes, I remember this. And so the whole thing was like, we know that Matt Damon and Penn Affleck wrote Goodwill Hunting. Yes. And it's great and it's achievement and they won this Oscar. But it's like mm-hmm. when you think about the character that they wrote, yeah. it's kind of ridiculous where it's like He's a genius. Oh, right. <laughs> he's so smart and he's got his hands No one like, acknowledges his, how smart but, he is. But he's a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, but he's a construction worker. But it's like, <laughs> but he's really smart. <laughs> and it's like, and him, I'm going to play him. And I'm going <laughs> to yeah. play him. And he gets the chick. And like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, random trivia. I think I mentioned this to you. They got paid a certain amount for Goodwill Hunting, like a hundred and like a. And then they split that and they each bought a Jeep Cherokee. Oh, right. And then they rented a party house. <laughs> and then after six months, they were broke. <laughs> wow. Sounds about right. You know, but in that movie, they wrote here's an anecdote they wrote a gay sex scene in the script. In Goodwill Hunting. In Goodwill Hunting, because when they, were sh- when they were shopping it around, they realized people weren't actually reading the script before rejecting it. So they wanted no, to make sure whoever accepted it actually read their movie. Oh. And Harvey, of all people, Harvey Weinstein yeah. was the guy who went, the sex scene's a little weird, guys. And they were like, oh, he actually read this movie. He actually knows what's happening. That's Interesting. Why he it. Who so was like, going to have sex? Matt Damon and Ben uh, Affleck? I'm not sure. He it's knows. like the yellow, what color M&M did they put in there? Yeah, it's the, brown, it's the famous <laughs> story of, of Van Halen and uh, how yes. they're, they're in, in the hospitality rider, mm. um, they wanted... Um, all brown M&Ms. Brown removed. M&Ms. Only or only brown M and M's. Which is one, one of them either was either removed, removed or, and, and that's what they wanted in the hospitality rider. People remember that mm. as being a silly indulgent yes. sort of request. Yeah. Um, but the point behind it was exactly what you said, mm. which is that they've got this convoluted tech rider which involves lights being rigged in a particular way, and. If they got the M&M thing right, it mm-hmm. meant that they read it. Yes. And it meant that they were caring and it meant right. that they were doing everything right. That was the original intention of that. Right. Which was an interesting story. Um, but, uh, yeah, Fast and the Furious is, is wild. Yeah, and series. And, um, yeah, the whole thing, which I had to get a refresher on, was yeah. that he had a relationship with the chick in Brazil. The yes. blonde woman. She was the like cop that was working with The Rock in the first one. And they five. had a baby. Yes. Okay, so that baby at the start of nine, because I'm now watching nine ahead of ten. Mm. God. <laughs> and, so, and so the kid that they're protecting in the beginning yeah. is Vin Diesel's kid. Yes. It's his baby. Yeah, so in eight, Charlie's throwing his kidnapped her and the baby. And that's why Dom, Dom is working with her. Okay. I have two big questions. Go for it. <laughs> Which is, where the fuck do they get all that money? Because like they they pull off crazy heists that involve a lot of money. Yeah. So that's never quite explained. Yes. And then my favorite part is they're in all exotic parts of the world, yes. especially in nine. And he has his car. Yes. A very specific <laughs> car. Yes. Which is not like, oh, I really like Mercedes's so I could rent those at the airport. Yeah. Look, it's definitely possible to take your car to a different country. Normally, it's on a boat. It takes a yeah, while. Yeah, exactly. It takes it's weeks. It's ridiculous, and it's fucking expensive to do that. <laughs> like, it's very indulgent to be like, we quickly need to do this operation. Let's get my car there. Everyone else would be like, can you do it without the car? Just get a rental, dude. Yeah, like, how important is it that you have your car? Also, like, they're really good at somehow figuring out ways to use cars in scenarios where cars would be like a hindrance. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, I, I need to finish nine, but I'm now at the point where they've just blasted into space. Yes. In, in a car. In a car. Like, in a car with a rocket on it. So it's got this it kind of to be about cars. back to the future. Where are all of the movies available to stream? Uh, nine is on Showmax. Okay. So okay. that's the one that I'm watching now. But what was so funny, and I just want to come back to this, and perhaps this is the sort of sign-off, is like why we're we talking about Fast and the Furious, <laughs> yeah. is um, in lockdown, it was glorious that myself and Cole um, were staying together. He was my housemate, and we used that as a time to watch all the movies that we'd really been putting off. And so, not putting off, but the ones that we should see. Yeah. And we went about it like, Two real film geeks going like, this week we're doing film noir and this week we're doing South Korean films. And we Mm. took it very seriously and it was arguably what kept me sane in lockdown. (laughs) But there was a moment deep within our cinephile adventure where we just stumbled into Fast and the Furious and we're like, yeah, fuck. And now we got to keep going. And we watched all of them. And and it was just one of those where we were like, I guess this is its, it's success, yeah. is that it's just there and it's easy and it's fun and it's just a part of our lives yeah. and it's harmless yeah. and it's it's a fun adventure. I mean, and I so, will say this about Fast and the Furious. As much as like Marvel and DC like pat themselves in the back every time they do a movie with like people of color and women. Fast and the Furious has always been doing that. They've had like women and people of color in main roles since the beginning. Oh, and it's never been ham-fisted. Yeah. Sure, they've they've like presented strong women. I mean, it's also they're also like uh, at the same time overtly objective. objectification. You sure, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've still been putting like women and, and people of color in like lead roles since yeah. since the beginning. No, that's a good point. I, see, I never even thought of that. Yeah. I never even considered that being it's a work, thing. guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love it. I'm I'm keen to watch 10. I think it'll be cool. It's now got Jason Momoa. Yeah. Is it like a TLDR of 1 to 9? You'll probably find one on YouTube. You'll probably find like a wrap-up of the whole story on YouTube, I'm sure. Yeah, very much so. My advice is watch the first one, watch 5, 6, and 7, and then quit. <laughs> yeah. Could maybe get away with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lekker, dudes, is there anything else to mention at this point? Other than... I'm still doing Clone Wars. I started oh, season nice. 4. <laughs> It's great. It's a great show. It's a great show. It's a great show. <laughs> so, so much Star Wars cartoons left to watch. It's right. insane. You have a whole world available to you. I'm right. ex- so- Ahsoka's coming in August, and I'm genuinely excited. What oh, is? Yeah. What's coming in August? Sorry. So Ahsoka, Ta- Ahsoka Tana was a character that was introduced at the beginning of Star Wars. She's Anakin's Padawan. And they in cl- yeah, in Clone Wars in the series, Anakin has she's the one with the cool, yeah, cool sort of like elephant trunk, yeah, out of her head. So Rosario Dawson's playing her. She had her first appearance in live action in Mandalorian, yeah. Then she came back in Boba Fett, and now mm. she's getting her own show. Mm-hmm. She was never in any of the main movies. She was only in the the cartoons. side stuff. Yeah. So you only know her if you've seen Clone Wars or mm-hmm. now Mandalorian, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and what and is that? Rebels as well. She's in Rebels. What Rebels is that are. anthology series thing? There's Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi, which is like a follow up to Clone no, Wars. No, but there's something recently and now. Visions. Visions. Yeah. Visions. Visions yeah. Yeah. Seems I, haven't, very I haven't watched them yet because they're not in the, the world. They're not canon. Yeah, they're just yeah. little shorts done by a bunch of different animation directors. One of which is a, there's a South this African, is an African input. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I haven't oh, watched really? it yet. Yeah. No. Second season. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, one yeah. of the episodes in the second season is a South African. Okay, that's cool. 
The yeah, first one, I've watched the first season. I haven't watched the second one yet. And it's okay. Like, it's very, like, anime tropey because most of them are, like, Japanese directors. Yeah, that's why okay. I kind it's, of avoided It's fine. It's okay. fine. Some of them are great. Some of them are, like, but I can skip this. Tales of the Jedi are very short. Mm. There was a really cool introduction to Ahsoka in that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, and um, oh, there's a kid's show called uh, Tales, something, Adventures of the Jedi. Or, oh, my God. Okay. I, I can't think of it. But it's, like, a, a Star Wars show for kids. Okay. Yeah, I watched a couple of episodes with Corbin. It's very, very cute. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, magic. Cool, dudes. Yeah. All right. Well, another day. Now okay. we come to the end. We're going to turn off the lights and all go home. Young Jedi Adventures. Is there you called. go. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Gad. We needed it. You have to. We have to watch it. Yeah. If you've got kids. Young Jedi Adventures. Yeah. Yeah, get them in young. Yeah. <laughs> Usher in a whole new uh, generation of wealth. For <laughs> Disney. All right, magic. Cool, cool. guys. Cool. cool. See you soon. Cheers, bud. Cheers, guys.